We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. Welcome into another Three Mile Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined uh, by the full crew here today. Cole Manbeck is back with us, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury, Derek Young from K-State Online fame with us here as well. And uh, we're going to be talking about a 31-3 to ass-kicking that K-State dropped on Baylor in Waco. Uh, just choked the life out of them from start to finish. Very fun. To add to that, it was a perfect college football Saturday. TCU beat Texas. Not only is it fun to watch Texas lose, but K-State now is back in the driver's seat for a Big 12 championship game appearance. Kansas lost. Iowa State lost. Oklahoma lost in embarrassing fashion, and they are in absolute shambles right now. Missouri got smoked. Texas A&M got smoked. I'm pretty sure Colorado lost because that's an evergreen comment you could make every single Saturday. Nebraska got smoked. It could not have gone better for K-State fans on Saturday. So, gentlemen, I'm excited to talk about it all with you. Uh, maybe crack open a little 360 vodka, some Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon while you do it. Uh, of course, brought to you by Holiday Distillery, great supporters here of our podcast. Great K-State folks as well. I'm sure they were celebrating with some of that uh, over the weekend. Uh, if you're going to uh, Morgantown this weekend for the good old one o'clock kickoff on on ESPN Plus, they're gonna have plenty of moonshine. But maybe bring some 360 vodka just to you know swap with them. You know they'll give you some moonshine. You give them some 360 vodka, and everything will be uh, a okay. Be on your way. How much did you guys enjoy Saturday? Huh? Pretty fun. Cool. Hey, let me. You know there are a couple things I need to say here actually first about me. Oh, uh, I'm not. We'll, we'll leave the quarterback thing alone for right now, okay? But you know, I got something to say about that, or three, or four, or five, or six things. But remember when Derek was like, "Yeah, you know, the rest of the season it's going to be so nerve wracking," and Cole was like, "How am I going to deal with this?" And I said, "Guys, they're going to blow somebody out. They've blown two somebody's out. They've blown two somebody's out. Two murders. Two murders this year. The second of which occurred in Waco on Saturday." You're, I mean, you you, you were want to the back, John. <laughs> you were absolutely correct. Uh, that was at Big Twelve basketball media days when you made that statement, and we're on that kick. And now uh, let's ignore what else I said on that same podcast, which was a yeah, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy that you uh, you've been begging for at quarterback just yeah. three weeks ago. You wanted no part of. Oh, that was like four. That was like four weeks ago. Okay. Oh, no, and no. by the way, there were during that podcast when you did get that straight bullet it was it was no he was not even part of the conversation (laughs) well well he was because we were talking about the last time there whatever it was it was very dumb i i am a super i i'm a superstitious person as you guys know and i think john awakened will howard like you know that if it wasn't for that comment who knows where things go i mean (laughs) Sure, I wanted to punch John in the face when I was in Fort Worth, and he made that comment about Will Howard. And then one one series in, Adrian's out of the game. Like I was blaming John. I was like, he had to do this. But now, uh, maybe it's uh, maybe you've, you've reignited K State football here, and uh, they're in the driver's seat. So yeah, I just I, I tried to make everything work for everybody. I'm just doing my part here as a as an influencer, a micro influencer. Uh, that's that's what I was able to do. I used my powers for good. So, uh, you know, seemed pretty fun. Seemed pretty fun on TV. What was it like in Waco, D.Y.? 
Yeah, they, they tried blackout, which wasn't necessarily effective. I don't know if you guys saw, but, you know, when they have the part of the student section that runs across the field, they were all in yellow shirts, and they were going to take them off in unison after their first touchdown to reveal the black, and that never happened. So they, they didn't get to wear black. <laughs> the Well, uh, yeah, so there's that. There's <laughs> – I also thought they'd be wearing like black uniforms or something, which obviously yeah, they, they weren't. Right. It didn't seem very loud and rowdy. No, uh, Baylor never is, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, in my experience there, it, I think the only time I remember being kind of like that was that 2014 game yeah. when Big 12 title was still on the line for both teams. Um, other than like that, this yeah. one? <laughs> like well, this yeah, one? I, yeah. I, I, was at the, I was at that 2014 game, John. I thought that was, that was a pretty loud atmosphere. They were pretty raucous that night. So... Um, uh, uh, out of the four road games, this was by far the most, uh, I, I don't know if pathetic's the right word, but disappointing crowd. I mean, it was probably 95, 98% full, but it was, and look, they didn't have a lot to cheer for. So, no. so, so maybe it would have been different had they had something to cheer for. But even pregame, I thought it was a pretty abbreviated noise level of what you would expect for that kind of contest, um, it paled in comparison to what Kansas State dealt with, you know, at all three of Iowa State, Oklahoma, and TCU, but all those being, you know, pretty contested battles. Well, one man did dare to suggest last week that uh, the best option K-State had a quarterback definitively was Will Howard, and he was thrust into action two series into the game, and after a you know, not a terrible first drive, but a very long, arduous, like 12-play, 43-yard drive that ends in turnover on downs. Will Howard comes in and moves the ball. I mean, I don't. I guess it wasn't all 97 yards that he moved the ball on that drive, but they complete a 97-yard touchdown drive. Bam, 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 like that. And they were off and running. Uh, Will Howard looked exactly like the Will Howard from the Oklahoma State game and the TCU game. I don't think this is a fluke anymore, guys. Um Shout out to our guy, KSU underscore fan, who put together the the points per drive stats. But for Will Howard, non-garbage time points per drive. It's 4.46 points per drive for K-State this year. The best offense in the country for the season is Oregon, 4.1 points per drive. So the Will Howard offense at K-State, yes, a sample size of only 21 drives. That's not an entire Oregon season. It would go down if you just extrapolate it out. It's not totally fair to do that. But the way he has played so far would be – significantly better than the best offense in the country in terms of scoring points, the efficiency at which K-State scores points with Will Howard at quarterback. They've scored touchdowns on 13 of 21 drives. Again, shout out to KSU underscore fan. 13 of 21 drives with Will Howard at quarterback. And uh, the dude the dude was just nails again. Um, can't say enough about him. I mean, not totally perfect, but not only was he delivering balls on the money, not only does he find ways to get the backs involved, it just seems like Deuce – gets involved so much more when he is in there at quarterback, but he even just talked about pocket presence and, and athleticism to get away. I mean, he just, he could sense when a brush was coming, he would wait until the last minute. He has this like sixth sense about when to wait until the last minute to get rid of the ball. And he just makes good decisions and gets rid of it when he has to. Um, I just, I can't say enough about what I'm seeing from the, from the dude right now. He, he looks like a total stud. That's an all big 12 quarterback for sure. Playing right now. Yeah, I don't think it's a fluke, obviously. I think we have enough of a sample size to maybe extrapolate that at the very least and probably much more than that. Uh, and I don't know, man, from just like quarterback skills and talent, I don't think there's a very big gap between the two. Um, the, the, gap, the biggest gap is probably athleticism, um, and that obviously goes in Adrian Martinez's direction. But what? The, but aside from that, the gap is just the way the offense functions – um, it being just a little bit, uh, not a little bit, a lot smoother, uh, much more well-oiled machine. They can operate much faster, it seems, with Will Howard, maybe the way that the offense was intended to operate, at least at the speed and the pace that they talked about in the offseason. Remember, the offseason was like all this rhythm, all of this, you know, quicker pace, no huddle, getting to the line of scrimmage, you know, maybe not always – snapping the ball quickly, but sometimes snapping the ball quickly. We see that more often when Will Howard is under center rather than Adrian Martinez. And I'm not trying to compare the two because I don't think we want to get really get into that. That's really not fair because Adrian Martinez has never played bad and he's given a lot to Kansas State already and um, has done everything they've asked of him and hasn't necessarily played poor. I mean, he revived his career since leaving from Nebraska and he doesn't deserve that. 
But at the same time, Kansas State functions much better on the offense, and there's no question about it when Will Howard is that quarterback. Now, and I'm not going to argue that Will Howard should be the quarterback because I think he should be, and I think we, I don't think there's a question um, to that at this point, but I will say two things. Um, and, and it's not to say well, we should have a quarterback controversy because I don't think we should. It's more to say, you know, let's let's not think that he's going to – you know, compete out there and do over four points per drive every game because that's probably not realistic. But I will say uh, when it comes to Adrian Will, Adrian Martinez has played two defenses that are better than any defense that Will Howard has faced, that being Iowa State and Texas. Those are both ranked higher than anything Will has faced. And 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 this is reaching a little bit because I know Mike Gundy has seen him twice, right? But no team that Will Howard has played this year has prepared for him thinking that he's the unquestioned starter. So that'll be curious if that, you know, happens at some point, whether that be West Virginia or Kansas, what it looks like when a team definitely knows that Will Howard's going to play quarterback and they prepare exclusively for Will Howard for the entire week. We haven't seen that this year. I don't think that's the reason why Will Howard's successful, but it'll at least be a curious, you know, example, something that we can make a conclusion upon or at least remove that that doubt from that. I would just – I would throw in here real quick. I mean – well, Howard did play the TCU defense. I'm not sure if you watched them lock Bijan Robinson down to 12 carries and 29 yards on Saturday. They looked pretty damn good. I believe fans said it was the number three, five, and six defenses in the Big 12 that uh, that Will Howard has played against. So certainly not, certainly not chop liver here. The defenses that he's carved. That's the defenses that Adrian's played, right? One, three, five, and six. Yeah. One, three, one, three, and five for Adrian. Four, five, yeah. and six for Will. So yeah, I mean, not three, ba- not three, five, and six. Four, five, and six. Yeah, yeah. Baylor. I mean, Baylor's defense is. <laughs> Pretty solid. The thing that was impressive, I mean, they they struggled early in the year. The thing that was impressive is you drop back and throw the ball 35 times against a Baylor defense that was fifth in the country in interceptions per game at one and a half and led the country over the previous three games with 2.7 interceptions per game. They picked off Texas Tech um, and uh, who was the team? Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel picked them off eight times, eight times in the last two games, right? And so for K-State to not turn the ball over at all against that Baylor defense, to not get sacked, what what has been pretty remarkable, John, you mentioned Will Howard's ability to get rid of the football and recognize pressure. And the O-line has done a decent job of protecting him, but also his ability to recognize that. He's dropped back and thrown the ball 84 times. He hasn't been sacked. I mean, that's that's a pretty remarkable stat to, to not be pressured or not to give up any negative plays in the passing game. I thought Texas would have just sacked the crap out of him if he would have been playing. Well, I mean, look, I will say, you saw what Texas defense did to TCU. Didn't they have like 10 tackles for loss in the first half? Like they they are a different animal. I'm not, there's a good chance they they don't get as many sacks, uh, you know, against Will Howard as I might've thought or perceived because he does seem to recognize to get the ball out quicker. Um, So yeah, and you talk about the points per drive uh, against Baylor. In non-garbage time, so you take away the last two drives when K-State was just bleeding the clock. Um, six drives, 31 points. That's 5.2 points per drive uh, for Will Howard on Saturday. So you think about that, you're almost scoring a touchdown per drive with him. That's really remarkable efficiency that he showed on display. Uh, thought he played tremendous as well. And he's just – he continues to make throws that are special. Um, you know, some of these balls and these windows that he's hitting, none of this is a fluke at this point. He is getting the ball over defenders hands just at the right level, you know, getting it over the linebacker, you know, downfield, look at the TCU game, et cetera. Look at the throw to Ben Sennett against Oklahoma state and against Baylor. I mean, some of these throws are are pretty darn special and tight windows. And, uh, so it, it's exciting. I mean, not only for the rest of this season with how he's playing, but for the future of K-State football, because it looks like they got a quarterback that's really turned it on. And uh, K-State's got an all Big 12 type quarterback moving forward. And even not, not I think you're probably referencing the Senate throw that was like in that tight window between like three defenders where it's just timing and he dials it up perfectly. That was the first touchdown. But even the, yeah. I mean, the, the, the other one to Senate, that's like a back shoulder throw to the end zone. I mean, it's like, these are the things, and this is what I said about Will a couple weeks ago, so it's going to sound like a broken record, but these are things that I've watched other offenses do throughout the last decade of college football, just being like, why is it so hard here? Like, okay, we can run the quarterback, but, like, why Why is it so hard to just operate an offense like this and utilize – like, I'm just mesmerized by it. Like, holy bleep, K-State has a quarterback that just threw 
like a back shoulder touchdown pass to a tight end in the corner of the end zone. Like I, I mean, Iowa State's offense is dreadful, but you'll still see them hit that to Xavier Hutchinson every once in a while. I'm just the, these. It is so. It's just refreshing, man. It is very. It is very very refreshing to watch that happen for this offense. And it gets pressure. It's not just his ability to throw it away when it gets there. It's standing in there when he's got a guy bearing down on him on third down and delivering a crossing pattern over the middle that gets a first down. He did that two times, I think, against Baylor. One time was particularly impressive. I think it went to Malik, I want to say, um, on a crossing pattern. And he's done that you know, in a couple of times in the other games that he has played. So it's not just the throwaways. It's the ability to kind of stand in there with a guy bearing down on him and deliver a throw under pressure in a very stressful situation, put it on the mark and convert a first down. I mean, that that's – that's high level. That's that's uh, you're graduating to another, um, you know, age bracket of quarterback play. That's not elementary. That's not even you know middle. That's pretty superior. And there's only you know a few. It's, there's just a group of quarterbacks that can do it at that clip. And Will Howard has graduated to to that echelon. So um, it's. Pretty special to watch right now. If that continues, I mean, they're a tough out, obviously. And he makes he, you know, Adrian Martinez was the way he does it is everything is off scripts and it kind of looks unorganized and had a little chaotic. And Will Howard, when he does it, he makes it look pretty. I think we talked about that, you know, when there was a little bit of a quarterback debate uh, here a week or two ago. But because of the way that Will Howard gets it done, it, it makes some of their flaws that they do have as an offense disappear as well. Yeah, I mean, he gives to your point, John, he gives his players a chance to make plays. He gives them that opportunity. He let Ben Sennett go up and make a play there, and he did it with Cade Warner at TCU. Now, it was a dangerous throw, but Cade Warner made the play. And maybe K-State's skill position talent is better than we ever thought just because now they're having the opportunity to make these plays and K-State is taking shots downfield. And so um, that's a positive factor as well. And look, again, it's a small sample size, but I think we've seen enough to know Will Howard's pretty darn good. His quarterback rating, according to ESPN right now, ranks ninth in the country or would rank him ninth in the country if he had enough attempts. You know, you're talking about Drake May, Hendon Hooker, C.J. Stroud. Those are the guys up there right around where he would be uh, with a 168 QBR. And just for reference, Will's QBR the past two years was right around like 102, 103 on average. So he's clearly taking a big step. He's averaging eight and a half yards per pass now on the year on 84 pass attempts. So uh, really playing well. And I thought Colin Klein did a, a fantastic job with the play calling on Saturday. I mean, not only the trick play, obviously, but one of the plays I absolutely loved was uh, K-State started out in shotgun moved Will Hunt. It was a, it was a third and one. I think they moved Howard under center. Looked like they were going to run a QB sneak defense sucks in and they just took the snap and immediately threw it out to Phillip Brooks on the perimeter easily got five yards. I mean, just some of the new creative things that they're doing in the offense. Um, I really like, and I, I thought Klein did a really nice job and uh, any concerns about Colin Klein as the offensive coordinator have really been alleviated in big 12 play. This, this offense has been humming pretty pretty well with them. I would throw in too. I love the play where where Deuce like I think they were in like a quad out on the side and Deuce like just three guys take off. Deuce stands there for a second and then just kind of walks in behind them and yep. they were able to get the ball to Deuce again in space and he picks up like five six seven yards easily. Um, a lot of creative things happening there. Uh, I think the point about Howard just making everybody better is so so that's such a salient point, man. I mean, Dy said. How long ago was that, Derek, that you said they think Ben Sinnott is, is an NFL player? And, you know, we've seen him some, and and he had some moments. And to be fair, like Adrian Martinez has utilized him this year, but we didn't see that. I mean, Ben Sinnott all of a sudden looks like baby Kelsey out there when, when Will Howard is willing to go throw the ball to him and really utilize him. He's making much better use of him. Cade Warner, Malik. He had four, did have four catches, 80 yards against Oklahoma, right? So there was that, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, we've but it was not that it was not leaping back shoulder catch in the end zone. We didn't know Ben Sinnott had that in him. We do now because Will Howard threw a pass that Adrian Martinez would never have thrown. Um, not trying to make this a referendum on Adrian Martinez, but that 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 is a fact. Ben Sinnott is a better player with Will Howard out there. Deuce Vaughn is a better player with Will Howard out there. I, I 
I'm very convinced of this. Malik, I think Malik was still a little bit slowed um, on Saturday, and that showed. But but Cade Warner too. And then the defense. Let, when you go, when you drive down, and you have this efficiency where you're scoring ruthlessly, 13 touchdowns on 21 drives, and you get a Baylor team that likes to run the ball 66% of the time, down by a couple of scores. Now you've changed the life for your defense. You made the defense's life easier. Uh, so I think there are just a lot of tentacles to this that are wonderful with the way he's playing. And I think that had a huge impact on the game on Saturday, that the defense could operate with Baylor playing from a couple scores behind for basically the entire game. We probably haven't talked about the defense enough. Um, if you want to exclusively talk non-garbage time, this is the fifth opponent this year. They've, they've not allowed to reach the end zone. That's half the schedule. Half the schedule has not found the end zone to get the Kansas State in non-garbage time. Three of those being Big 12 teams. What was it? Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and team they just played, Baylor. So we probably haven't spoken enough about the defense. That's a really, really good side of the ball. Joe Klanerman, um, you can't say enough about the job that he has done. Uh, they're using Khalid Duke a little bit differently now, too, and he's become a little bit more of an effective player on that side of the ball just because he's – playing with his hand on the ground a little bit more, and I think that's a more comfortable spot for him, although he's a pretty good Sam linebacker, and I think people don't give him enough credit for that. But the more that they can integrate Desmond Purnell and be comfortable with him and what he's doing on the football field or maybe Gavin Forshay at that spot, the more the Cleed Duke can perhaps be effective and give them another pass rusher off the edge, uh, depending on how they want to play it, especially since I don't know that, at least in this past game, I think Brendan Mott and Nate Matlack were both um, – going through some things too. So they weren't hundred percent. So that probably played into that strategy. Uh, Eli Huggins played a heck of a ball game. I thought Daniel green obviously looked spectacular. Um, that was a night day difference than what he looked against Texas. So I imagine health played a considerable role in that. Um, I wonder if they need maybe skill Austin Moore back a little bit. Cause it almost feels like he's starting on a little bit of a downward trend, maybe hitting the wall a little bit. So I wonder if they, um, consider scaling him back in practice. Obviously he's a smart football player and still playing good. Um, just the splashiness has, has kind of left him in the last week or two. And the secondary is really great. I echo boy Doe and Julius Brent, um, probably two guys not talked about enough this year, just because they had some unfortunate and unlucky moments this year. But I mean, I'd be hard pressed to find a better cornerback duo in the big 12 than those two right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was waiting for you you to weigh in on the defense here. I thought you might jump in too. I mean, I completely agree with DY on uh, Julius Prince and Echo Boydo. I mean, I think they are the best cornerback tandem in the Big 12. So they're playing terrific. Uh, I'd be curious. I think one of the biggest plays of that game, honestly, was the Kobe Savage interception on that first drive, just because K State had turned it over on downs. And then Baylor was, Baylor was humming on that first drive. I mean, they were, they looked in rhythm and they were just going right down the field. Um, and then that ball gets thrown up in the air. Now, even if it's not picked, I think that was third down. So Baylor would have to settle for a field goal, but, uh, it was still a big play to turn them over there and K-State then to go down the field and score a touchdown and take the lead. And then they just took it from there. But yeah, I mean, I thought one of the big stories of the game also is Baylor was 0 of 3 on fourth down against K-State and Chris Kleiman had talked about going into the, the game, how much Baylor goes for it on fourth down. And they came into the Saturday, number two in the country, converting two and a half fourth downs per game. Uh, they went 0-3 against K-State. In Big 12 play, they were 16-22, of 22, converting 73% of their th fourth down attempts. And they could not do anything against K-State, 4 of 15 combined on third and fourth down. So K-State's defense was able to get off the field combined with sustained drives by K-State's offense, which led to a time of possession for K-State of over 37 minutes which is, you know, Baylor wants to control the clock. That's that's what they do. They're number 11 in the country and lead the Big 12 in time of possession. They want to run the ball and control the clock and keep the defense off the field. And K-State held the ball six minutes longer than any other team had held it against Baylor this season. So really everything, all facets of the game, special teams, defense, offense, um, was clicking for K-State. It's right up there with the Oklahoma State game as best performance of this season. Well, and maybe, I mean, you, you were bringing up Cole, best best performance of the climate era. Yeah. Uh, best best game of the climate era. I, I, I feel that way. Maybe I'm prisoner of the moment a little bit. I certainly could see why anyone would argue 2019 Oklahoma or Oklahoma State this year. I just feel like in that moment, in that situation, 
against a Baylor team that I respect against Dave Aranda, who I really respect. And both teams, potentially Baylor controlled their own destiny on the road to go on the road. That that's where it's at for me. And, you know, you lose your quarterback and I know Will Howard's played well, but just some of the circumstances that unfolded and to dominate in the way they did. I mean, I was, I was feeling pretty darn confident I don't usually get to watch a lot of games and big 12 play where I just kick my legs up and I'm totally relaxed in the whole fourth quarter. And, and on Saturday I was, and to be doing that on the road against a Dave Miranda coach team, that that's why I feel like you could argue. And and in my opinion, it was their most impressive win in the climate era, just because in all facets, they were so sound and it was on the road. I'll I'll grant you the element to me. The the thing that makes that a solid argument is the element of, of what was at stake. Um, And yes, yes. Being on the road for sure too. But the element of what was at stake where, you know, we've complained for a long time about like, Climbing won't take the next step. They're kind of stuck here at this seven or eight win thing where they take care of business against them. You know, they might jump up and beat in Oklahoma every year, but they have stupid losses that kind of cancel it out. You can't ever take that step. Well, this is a pretty massive step to regain your own control of your own destiny in the Big 12 championship race, a virtual elimination game on the road at Baylor. They're the defending champs. It's at night and you go out and just smack them the way that you did. I think I think that is that is the part of the argument that is is tough to really uh, go against. I would say at, at the time, 2019, OU felt pretty significant because it was it was Climate's first year, and you know didn't have scholarship running backs and all That's all right. that whole narrative that first year. It felt like a huge deal at the time to get that. Now, in hindsight, we've seen him beat Oklahoma multiple times, and we knew the big deal for the program was taking the next step. So it's an interesting debate. I, I would I would tend to lean. I, I have no problem with saying that that was the best the best game of the Climate era. Well, and I think if you oh I'm sorry, Dy, real quick, I think if you look at that OU game in 2019, the final score wasn't indicative of what it felt like for much of that game. I mean, K-State was what up 48 to 20, 48, 24. They were up by yeah. mm-hmm. four scores. I mean, and if it finishes that way by a 17, 24 point victory, it probably, you know, don't feel that there's an argument. And that's probably the game just because I was a very talented Oklahoma team with Jalen Hurts and CD Lamb and uh, all the offensive weapons they have. But I, I still have flashbacks of haunting memories of being on the sideline thinking that OU recovered that onside kick. And uh, that was a very stressful three minute review when that was going on. But uh, yeah, I I did want to say one other thing just about the defense, because the one thing I didn't mention is a lot of people probably don't realize Baylor was 18th in the country in points per drive. They're one of the more efficient offenses in the country and for K-State to hold them to three um, that's, that's pretty darn impressive. It's a Baylor team that, put up 38 the week before against OU, 45 against Tech the previous week, and then 35 against KU, but should have had probably 49 if they they play sound football and don't make mistakes. So they were really scoring uh, against teams. Heck, they put up 31 against a very good Iowa State defense, you know, over three points per drive against the Cyclones in Ames. So this was a a good Baylor offense that K-State manhandled. The only – yeah, the OU game that maybe would stack up would be the 19 game because 21 came after losing to Arkansas State. And it was – or no, 20, sorry. 20 came after losing to Arkansas State. It was the COVID year. that didn't. There was no stakes because of the, obviously they finished four and six that season. Uh, this year's OU team kind of withered away. And that was after losing to Tulane too. So you just felt like you were almost just reviving yourself at that point. Um, 19 OU you thought was maybe setting the stage for what that – this program could be under Chris Kleiman. So that's probably the argument. Um, I would still take this year Baylor over that probably by a wide margin. Um, I also think this year, Oklahoma state, um, I know that they've kind of been, you know, completely eviscerated since that, so to speak as well, though they just beat Iowa state um, and Oklahoma state's, you know, kind of breaking down and, and, and most of that's, associated with their health situation as well. But 48 to nothing at home against Oklahoma State with what the stakes were in that game too, I think that's probably in the top three still, even though Oklahoma State is considerably, you know, shorthanded right now. D.Y., you know what what really impresses me, and you mentioned this on Powercat Game Day as your what to watch for, but just the resilience of this team every time they lose, when you're starting to feel a little bit down, they bounce back and put together some of their best performances of the season. I mean, really, you could argue that their three best performances of the season are ones right on the heels of a loss. That says a lot about the coaching staff in this locker room, that they can bounce back the way that they do from those games and, and come out and they'll play, play the way that they do. The performance after the losses were Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. So, yeah. 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 
let's let's hope they don't need to uh, go to that well again. But yes, I agree. Um, and I would also say on the Oklahoma State game, I mean, again, remember Spencer Sanders was was still playing for the majority of that yeah. game. Like, well, it was, and and Spencer Sanders is the guy that I mean, I don't know what exactly Mike Gundy was doing, not starting him and then bringing him in halfway through the third quarter, but it worked, and they beat Iowa State because of it. Uh, and they're now seven and three. I know they have Oklahoma this week, and I forget who they finished with, but I mean, that still could be a an eight and four, nine and three team. That's not like it's. I don't think it was it was going to be a team that plummets to six and six or something like that. So that's still, yeah, that still has a lot of teeth to it. And even in the condition that they are in, no one else has beaten them forty-eight to zero. Correct, correct. Like I, that that still deserves. We don't. We should not forget that and and poo-poo that or downplay the significance of it. I, I think that was that was still a huge, huge game. All right, we have some injuries to talk about. Um, Adrian Martinez. We have reports surfacing on uh, social media about Adrian Martinez's health after he went out on that quarterback sneak and then Kobe Savage. Uh, unfortunately, that one not looking great. We will talk about that coming up next. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, back here on Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, Coleman back. Here is the uh, the not so fun part of the podcast. We got to talk about injuries. It didn't feel like during the game that it was all that bad. Uh, Kobe Savage did go out in the the first half after he had his interception, and you had some concerns there. Adrian Martinez went out, but it looked like on the sideline they were putting some kind of sleeve on his on his leg, and that he was going to be okay enough to come back in and then was standing on the sideline. You know, I mean, it was reminiscent of, of Iowa state, uh, or I'm sorry of uh, TCU, honestly, with him standing on the sideline after being injured and not really thinking it was that bad, but here we are uh, with that staring us down. Once again, let's start with Kobe Savage, uh, Kobe Savage. It did not sound great from Chris Kleiman at the post-game press conference. Uh, what, what are we thinking on Kobe Savage's status the rest of the year? D.Y.? Yeah, I would say that Chris Kleiman's initial reaction in that press conference when he said it doesn't look good, um, that feels like the direction's headed. I think uh, I think Chris Kleiman knew at that point that there were some concerns. And I imagine we'll hear on Tuesday that those might have been confirmed, um, so to speak. So, uh, look, I, I think Chris Kleiman knew at that point that it wasn't looking great, but he'll – He'll want to announce that himself, I am sure. Impact of losing Kobe Savage, Cole? Yeah, I mean, that's a blow. I mean, he's been, what, one of K-State's top three or four defensive players. And, I mean, the secondary's been pretty darn good. But him and Josh Hayes are your two top safeties. Um, Yeah. You know, I I don't know if I could argue 1A or 1B on that. They're both so valuable and, you know – Kobe Savage leads the team actually with three interceptions, but it's not his tackling ability in the open field. I mean, that you look at the play he made against Bijan Robinson on that third down. He's, you know, one of the leaders in that secondary. Uh, they play a lot of safeties, but in a 3 3 5, um, you know, you're going to rely on your safeties more. So anytime you lose one of them, it, it hurts, especially you lose one of your best ones. So he's been an impactful player and a leader in that locker room. And so that, that hurts. And TJ Smith, 
is uh, is going to have to step up. You know, ever since he got injured a couple years ago, it's been a little bit of a struggle for him, but he's going to have to step up. B.J. Payne, you know, other guys that they're going to rotate in at safety more now is a reliance on it. I mean, they played six safeties for much of the year, right? But but Savage, it feels like he's on the field 90-plus percent of the time. They, they hardly take him off, it seems like. No, he, he plays – He's usually in the top three in the defensive snap count every game because we go and look at those, and and that's a tough loss. You said top three or four players on the defense, and that might be right. And then I and then I think about it a little bit more. I'm like, who well, you got? Defense, is okay, yeah. So that tells you how good the defense is because then I start to think of who you got to leave off of to to put Kobe in the top three or four. Not saying he's not in the top three or four, but if you're putting Kobe in there and you're putting Felix in there. Are you putting Austin Moore in there? So then you're leaving off. Julius Brents. Like, then you're leaving, yeah. Then you're leaving off Julius Brents and Daniel Green, which is funny to say the least. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, that just tells you how good this defense is. But Savage is a loss. There's a reason why he plays probably a greater share of snaps than most of the guys on the defensive side of the field. Yeah. All right. So that 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 part is tough. This part is a little more unexpected. Uh out of nowhere, uh, Saturday nights. So Colby Van Camp, who is the uh, sports director, I believe, at the student radio station, uh, said, breaking per a source close to K-State football, Adrian Martinez's leg injury will cause him to miss four to six weeks. Story still in development and has not yet been broken by the university. So there's that. And then go powercat.com uh, took that through it up. There's a free story up there on their site if you want to read it. Um and it says, sources have said uh, the Kansas State quarterback is likely to be sidelined for multiple weeks. Sources have confirmed with Go Powercat that the Martinez injury is more severe than initially considered in Waco. So potentially some validity to this report that it could be a multiple week thing for Adrian Martinez. And look, I'd be lying to you if there wasn't a part of me that said, okay, be careful what you wish for. I definitely wanted Will Howard to be the quarterback. I did not want it to be at the expense of losing your your insurance plan, you know, your insurance policy and a guy that has done great things this year for K-State. And that is something I don't want to get lost or twisted in all this conversation where I was pretty convicted that Will Howard was the better of the two options. But Adrian deserves no slander. He's still done a great job this year and K-State's not at the point that they're at right now without him. And the finish to that thought that I had going into the day yesterday was like, and and they may well need him again at some point this year. So nobody, this is not meant to be any kind of attack on Adrian Martinez. He's just up against a guy in Will Howard right now, who, as we said, is producing at a level higher than the best offense in the country uh, in Oregon at this point. So just outplayed by a dude who's totally red hot right now, but you don't want to, you don't want to lose Adrian either because now you're one snap away from Jake Rubley against Jalen Daniels in Kansas potential or at, in the Kansas game rather so I that to me I'll set the scene uh, by I'll let you take that wherever it is that you want to go but certainly don't love the possibility of that being a, a reality out there I, I certainly don't have anything that would necessarily refute any of either of those two reports um, from either entity but it's just not necessarily also a direction that I'd like to go in on Sunday or Monday. I think it's pretty early, um, even if it does turn out to be true. Um, and quarterback things, you know, coaches are pretty sensitive to that, and they like to handle that on their own accord. So I'll allow them. Are they? To- I don't know. Bill seemed to be pretty cool with me asking about the quarterbacks a lot. Yeah, know. right. Yeah. And Chris Kleiman, he likes to muddy the waters too. So, yeah, no, I'll let them do that on their own accord. But I, I certainly – I'm not here to refute either of those two things. And and I do think it sucks um, for Kansas State because uh, quarterback depth is something that's pretty valuable in this league. I, I don't know that any team has only played one quarterback this year. Um, one doesn't come to mind. Maybe Iowa State. Is that the only one? No, it might be, yeah. Yeah, because West Virginia even benched JT Daniels. Um this past week as well. And we'll probably talk about that later in the week. Uh, so, you know, quarterback depth is important. It also sucks for Adrian Martinez, who's, you know, been through this before and he's done everything that they've asked for him at Kansas state and doesn't, he's earned everything that he's been given. And, and it's awesome to see the success that he's kind of been able to enjoy this year because of all the stuff that he was mired with at Nebraska. That was probably no fault of his own because he's cleaned up everything that they said that was wrong with him there. So this is disappointing for him, but I, I certainly, if 
if it turns out to be true, I certainly hope that he can still enjoy, you know, in the last, you know, handful of games that's left with him at Kansas State in some capacity. But I hope some of it's in a uniform, and I hope he is available for his sake. But I can't refute um, the report. Yeah, no, I hate it for Adrian. I mean, it's uh, this is a guy in his last year of playing college football that came to Kansas State, talked about how he wanted to have a chance to play in the NFL, that this offense fit his style, and he's been banged up not only for much of his career, but this season as well. And to get hurt on a QB sneak, it sucks. It's uh, it's bad luck the way the guy landed on his leg there. And so it's incredibly unfortunate. Um, you know, this Adrian Martinez has been solid for K-State. And the really, I've hated for him that he's had to deal with the whispers and the murmurs of everyone begging for Will Howard to play. But the reality is K-State's got two good quarterbacks and Will Howard just played lights out. And so... Adrian has had to go through more scrutiny and ridicule as a result of that, even though he's been pretty darn solid for K-State and, and they wouldn't be where they are if, you know, if it wasn't for him. So I hate that for him, but at the same time, also on the football field to what John mentioned, you, you don't have a security blanket now and you got to keep Will Howard healthy because you know what the alternatives are. We saw that at TCU. That's not a knock on Jake Rubley. I just don't think he's ready. Uh, we've seen what Jaron Lewis has done in the past. We haven't seen him this year, but, you know, Will Howard is the guy that you now have to play and keep healthy. And, I, you know, to K-State's credit, since the TCU game, they have not really ran him. Maybe I think he's maybe ran three or four QB design runs in the two games he's played since TCU. So been, he had to against Baylor a couple times just for the stuff that they were running. You can't run a fake QB power and not be willing to run QB power. But yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think. They've done an effective job of that, and I think they're going to have to rely on that, um, which they've proven they don't have to run the quarterback to be effective offensively. I mean, that's one of the biggest takeaways that I have is the thought has always been at Kansas State, yet, you know, you gain so much by running the quarterback, and at K-State, you can be more successful by having the QB run game with the personnel that you have, but K-State has proven now with Colin Klein leading this offense and Will Howard at the quarterback position that, that you don't have to run the quarterback to be effective. And, uh, you know, just three weeks ago, we had that argument or debate on here, right? You know, K-State shifting and pivoting away from that QB run game and, and they're kind of doing it and it's still working. The offense is probably being more effective than ever. Yeah, that is. And the other thing, let's, let's go back to, you know, Will Howard not taking sacks again, being better about this was someone talking me off the ledge when I first saw that last night, but like, well, I mean, Hey, he, he's not taking a lot of hits other than when they were having him run the ball, which is how he got hurt at TCU. I was like, okay, I, mean, I get it. Deep breaths, uh, deep breaths, but yes, I hate it. Hate it for Adrian. Sincerely hate it for Adrian. Uh, wonderful human being guy that's been nothing but class since he's been here, won some big games uh, for K-State and, and obviously competed his ass off. So uh, hate that. And, and I hate that, you know, even before this, that any of the discussion about how well Will Howard was playing would have to turn into some sort of referendum on Adrian Martinez because it, it absolutely shouldn't. And everybody should be very grateful and appreciative for what he's what he's done here at K-State. And I, I certainly hope that there is in some way another chapter of that, maybe in a sugar bowl for K-State. That would be nice. That would be nice. We'd love to watch that for Adrian. It's about what Will Howard is doing, not about what Adrian Martinez was. Correct. I mean, that's why, again – I'm not even giving you the the statistic of what the difference is in points per drive between Will and Adrian right now because you don't want the discourse to go to that. It's enough discourse to say it's significantly better than what the best offense in the country has done so far this year, what Will Howard has been at K-State in terms of efficiency scoring the ball. So, uh, I mean, the only other thing I would mention on the injury front is that, man, Daniel Green you, – you alluded to it earlier, D.Y., but, like, he looked back to full strength. Like, my God, I mean – uh, helping pick up some of the slack for Austin Moore seems like he's kind of, like you said, hit maybe a bit of a wall at this point in the year. Like Daniel Green was back to flying around looking like the guy that we all have become accustomed to seeing. And that that is huge. And that is the broadcast. We actually got this information that they said it was torn rib cartilage, um, which sounds like maybe the most painful possible injury for a linebacker to play through. I mean, I cannot even imagine. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to – and he was going to try. He, what, didn't you say he was, like, warming up, trying to play to give him a few snaps in that Oklahoma State game? Yeah. Jeez, man. That is – football guy. Daniel Green, football guy. Big-time football guy. So uh, kudos to him on that. Uh, all right, well, big picture here. You now have 
control of your own spot in Arlington. You go win these next two games, right? Or if you win on Saturday and Kansas beats Texas, which I think is an entirely plausible situation, you would have already clinched at that point as well. Um, general thoughts here, Cole, maybe we'll start with you on, on the big 12 championship race and where K state sits and uh, just any, any fear about closing this thing out here now with the two games left. I mean, I think it's K state has the, most manageable schedule. I'm not going to say easiest, but the most manageable schedule left of, of any of the contenders here that we're talking about. Well, for starters, I'll be rock chalking it up on Saturday, cheering, uh, cheering for our Jayhawks. You know, I know we, we've taken some shots this year, but I'm actually a big TCU and KU football fan. Um, so I just wanted to apologize for that. I mean, I was really also cheering on the Horn Frogs, obviously, on Saturday night and really celebrating with my TCU brothers. Um, so that was that was an exciting night. Um, but yeah, for, for KU, it be inter- that line has went from uh seven to nine already for the line against Texas on Saturday. It'll be, is it really? really, yeah, but it's you know, I nine. what do you, that is a November game in Kansas. That's going to be cold against a team that Texas will not be fired up to see coming off of a devastating loss. Who the, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm you know, afraid. it's, it's, it's going to learn a lot about that Texas football team coming this Saturday against KU because it isn't an ideal weather situation or a great spot for them. But the reality, the jokes about KU losing or beating Texas, like, are they going to come in motivated for that off a letdown loss at home with criticism now going Sarkeesian's way? Um, are they going to come out fired up to play or, or because well, they're clearly a far more talented team. And if they come out ready to play, there is no reason Texas shouldn't score every drive with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson running the football if you just commit to that. So be curious how physical Texas plays in that game. You know, from K-State perspective of controlling their own destiny, that's that's absolutely right. And yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> the next two weekends are going to be very anxious for us. Uh, I'm already did not really get to enjoy the game Saturday night because I already started thinking about West Virginia. And, you know, I thought West Virginia was going to probably quit on the season potentially. And then they beat OU and they switch up the quarterbacks and you know, he kind of, yeah, kind of gave them a spark. Uh, K-State is still the better team. I think the line actually opened up around five, five and a half. And now it's at seven and a half K-State. So look, K-State by all the metrics is a far better team than West Virginia. And if they come in locked in, ready to play, they, they should win the game. West Virginia is a better football team at home. You know, they beat OU and Baylor. If you would have told West Virginia fans coming into the year, they beat Oklahoma and Baylor at home. They probably thought they'd have a lot better than a four and six record um, on the season. But the way things have shaken out, they haven't. And then they they were within seven of or actually they were within three of TCU in the last minute. Right. In Morgantown. So in case they don't have to be ready to play, I don't think there'll be a huge crowd or a raucous crowd from what we've seen in Morgantown the last few weeks. But uh yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I'm not looking ahead to KU. I'm I am focused on the Mountaineers, locked in. To to uh, to respond, Cole. I'll go on the flip side. If you told West Virginia fans that they were going to lose the KU at home at the beginning of the year, they probably think four and six sounds about right. Maybe fortunate. So, um, so that that's the other side of the coin, yeah. which kind of tells you what the Mountaineer schedule in the football season has looked like. It's probably why Shane Lyons, athletic director for West Virginia, I don't know if we touched on it yet. He just got fired. So, and he's the chair of the NCAA Council, which is interesting to say the least, if you can maintain that post while not being employed um, in college athletics. So, that'll be an interesting layer to everything as well. I look, Kansas State, if you know, between all the teams still technically in it, you'd rather be in Kansas State spot. So, you're, you can't feel not good about it. I feel pretty confident. I think West Virginia, even though it's on the road, is probably a much um, manageable game than KU at home just because of what the stakes could be for, for that game and the inspiration and desires and motivations of the opponent for that game. Um, touching on KU Texas, since you guys did that, I you know what? I'm done giving. I know the metrics say what they say, and, and I'm not even going against those metrics. I mean, you put your formulas and data and you pump it out, and it says what it says, but I'm done trusting Texas and and giving them credit for being the better team because obviously it doesn't matter when they're the better team. Yes, this is a good spot for Texas, techni- or a bad spot for Texas technically, um, or actually a good one coming off of what they were and everything, but they're, they're playing on the road at KU. They, they had a good spot against TCU and fell flat, and 
yes, they should just run Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson to death, right? And win that game. Texas and, Tech just ran all over Kansas. So right. So they, but they won't do it. I mean, they look, I know Bijan was kind of stopped to an extent as well in this past week. I think he didn't even have three yards to carry unless he pulled off something late. But man, if you only give Bijan Robinson 10 or 12 touches a game and a game that's tight, really, it's not like you were blowing the doors off. You're losing. And, and that game was one possession for a long time, right? Three to nothing until the third quarter. How's B. John Robinson only have 10 or 12 carries? I mean, so to me, the metrics can say what they say, but Steve Sarkeesian will coach his way out of a paper bag. Yes, D.Y., but why watch B. John Robinson towed it 20 times when you can watch Quinn Ewers go 17 for 39? Why would you do that? I mean, that sounds great. Quinn it's Ewers was overhyped. Overrated quarterback in the country. Barn. Yeah. And I mean, I know everyone's kind of on it at this point, but why Sark continues to let him throw it 40 times a game? Uh, beyond me. Beyond and and me. He, he may like turn into a hell of a quarterback. Don't get me wrong. And he makes some throws that leave Bijan on the ground, but the consistency just isn't there because what game was it when Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson are running for over eight yards a carry between the two? Oklahoma and they State. like, and they let Quinn Ewers throw it for 50 times while not completing 20 passes. That was Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's a redshirt freshman. He shows some glimpses, but yeah, yep. he's uh so certainly the consistency aspect of it could come with time. But right now, yeah, I would if I'm Texas, it's a pretty easy choice. I'm giving it to the all-American running back and a good secondary running back as well, and Roshan Johnson. So yeah, I, I would not. And and first of all, in the Texas thing, I, I think all of us, I thought Texas would win by multiple scores. So against TCU. So I was shocked by that performance and the way TCU's defense completely held them down. On the West Virginia front, I would not downplay the firing of Shane Lyons as athletic director as a major distraction for West Virginia, because that essentially then paints the picture Neil Brown is going to be gone. And that's his big hire. And they're not going to let him make the next hire as the head football coach at West Virginia. And so I think Neil Brown now probably knows his boss is gone. They fired him, the guy that hired um, Neil Brown. I, I think the writing is on the wall and the players probably recognize that too. So there is a distraction at play here for West Virginia. And we'll see if it has any sort of impact. Of course, you could argue the distraction was already there. I mean, they were three and six and there were already a lot of whispers about Neil Brown's future. So I'm not sure how significant it is, but I, I do think that will play a little bit of a part. And I kept hearing on Saturday on the broadcast, the mention of bowl eligibility being such a motivating factor. And I just don't think that's a motivating factor anymore. I don't think they want age. to. Yeah. So, some teams at this point don't want to play in a bowl. That's what people forget. Like that's, yeah. that's another game. That's another six weeks where you could just go home and be with your family over the holidays. That instead you have to go bang against the, you know, against your teammates for five more weeks just to play in a bowl game that you don't give a crap about. There's a lot of we people put too much hype into that sometimes. So I'm glad you brought that up. And 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 another layer, I know we'll touch on it more, you know, in the podcast at the end of the week. I look for that game, I think it was great. It was smart by West Virginia to switch quarterbacks because I think benching JT Genials probably helps them beat Oklahoma. I don't think it helps them this week, though. That's my thing. Yeah, I mean, I'll be I'll curious what they do. This, okay, if there's ever a scenario where it's like the, the backup quarterback comes in and is able to win you one game, but then becomes a different deal when the other team has a week to prepare for him and all that. This feels very much like that because Garrett Green, and I had a lot of fun watching him, and he definitely yeah. provided a spark. He ran for over 100 yards on, on Oklahoma's dreadful defense, but uh, he's just scrappy and runs around and tries to make plays that way, but not overly talented. Now, that doesn't mean – I still look at it and I say, well, maybe there's like a rallying cry here. They think Neil Brown's going to be done. They're trying to win one for their coach and get behind this new quarterback. I mean, look, I very much am nervous about this game, but I do think logic would tell you that there's a better, like K-State should be pretty well prepared, I would think, for Garrett Green uh, or JT Daniels, whoever it's going to be. To be fair, because of the stakes, you guys would be nervous if it was Texas Southern, so – Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be nervous no matter who K-State's playing these last two weeks because what's at play here and what's at hand. So, I mean, I agree. I wouldn't even be surprised if I go back to JT Daniels uh, on see, Saturday. As a, as a K-State fan, I now I want to see Green, though. And and I know Daniels got benched and wasn't playing well, and they're not going to beat Oklahoma with JT Daniels at quarterback. But for Kansas State, I think you'd rather see Garrett Green than JT. Oh, yeah. There, there's no question. I would much rather see Garrett Green. He's more of a running quarterback, K-State, with the ability to game plan for him. I think they can scheme and force a couple turnovers and mistakes from him. And 
you know, JT Daniels, he hadn't really been that big of a problem for West Virginia. Their offense, their passing game had been solid and their running game was, was working. Now Donaldson's out for the year, but Mathis is a, a decent secondary option at the running back position. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually hoping they play Garrett Green at this point. And, and maybe they do just shift to that because, you know, JT Daniels, is does he have any eligibility left after this year? Or is this his last season? Gosh, he shouldn't. He's been in college for 15 years. <laughs> I think he's been in college since I was in college, so I don't think so. But uh, Yeah, so uh, if, if he doesn't, like maybe they just go to the youth, although does the youth really matter because Neil Brown's probably going to be gone in two games. I, I don't know. But, yeah, on the bull eligibility front, I just – like we talked about – I don't think it matters. Like you said, these guys don't want to go practice for four weeks for some meaningless bowl game. They want to go home for Christmas at that for point. Co- and so many guys, yeah, so many guys opt out. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like for they're, they're probably going to have an interim coach. Yeah, or a lame duck coach. So, yeah, the whole practice thing doesn't even mean anything for them in all likelihood. And then you get so many guys that opt out of bowl games nowadays. If you're not playing for one of the upper echelon bowls or the playoff, then, yeah, I don't think it's that big of a motivating factor. Yeah, that's what we'll be telling ourselves all week to make us feel better. And then Saturday will hit, and we'll be real, real nervous. Real nervous. Hey, at least you don't have to wait all day. It's not a night game. Well, oh, well. and at least I won't be stuck in a hotel room in uh, Chicago, Illinois. You know, I mean, at least at least I won't be doing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll <laughs> have to bite my tongue about that. <laughs> do, we need to be... start a, do we need to start do we another campaign? campaign? Do we need to tweet yeah. up yeah. another yeah. Get Cole, get Cole out of – Get Cole out of Chicago this week. Free Cole. Free Cole. No, no, no. No. That's not who you need to tweet. That's not who you need to tweet. I mean, the the campaign last time did get Brody to the game, so maybe I could get me out of Chicago. Uh, No, I I would – please don't actually send that tweet to my wife. I've already made it. I've made it a big enough deal already that uh, that would put me in some trouble. Uh, So – because I I was even pulling on her Saturday night after K-State beat Baylor, like the whole fever pitch, like – you know, that Drew Barrymore offers to take, you know, take Jimmy Fallon to uh, to Paris. And uh, he said, the team needs me. Like, I can't go. Like, they play. I don't even know who they play. The team needs him. And I kept telling her, I was like, the team needs me right now. Like, I need to be here. I need to be slugging some 360 vodka because I'm going to be a nervous wreck on Saturday. Like, you don't want me in Chicago because I'm going to be the most nervous wreck the entire day. I mean, I know it's a one o'clock kick, but if K-State loses, like I'm going to, I'm going to be sulking around and be miserable and won't talk to anybody. So uh, yeah. yeah, but don't, yeah, don't, don't tweet my wife. I'll handle it. Uh, I'm going to stick the thermometer up to the light, get it hot and uh, get sick right before that trip. So I can't go. There, you go. there you go. Okay. That sounds like a good plan. Hey, I've got one last thing for us here. I just squeeze in a little bit of hoops talk. All right. Because if, Basketball keeps filling up the highlight reel the way that they are. We're going to keep talking about it, but uh, we'll get to that next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, back here to close things up on Three-Mont. K-State, nine-point road win at Cal. Kicked off a really nice weekend for everybody. Uh, Covered the spread on the road while experiencing some legitimate adversity after jumping out to a 20-plus point lead, seeing it trimmed all the way to one at one point, I believe, right, for Cal in the second half, and then Able to turn it on, make some plays. Marquise Noel kind of pulled K-State out of the hole, and they they found a way to get it done. Keontae Johnson, a guy they went to when they really needed a bucket a couple of times, and we got another just insane highlight out of Marquise Noel behind the back on the break uh, to Naquan Tomlin, who is just going to be a delight to watch throughout the rest of this year. So all things considered, uh, pretty pretty darn good showing there for uh, Jerome Tang in his first road game at K-State as the Cats are now 2-0. 
Yeah, hell of a week for K-State fans, right? You got the, the basketball team. Men's basketball team went 2-0. Women's basketball team went 2-0, and they got a road win. They beat Wisconsin and Milwaukee. I think the volleyball team won too, I was told, and your Chiefs won on Sunday. So Iowa State lost, Kansas lost, Nebraska lost. I mean, everything that could go right for a K-State fan this past week went right for a K-State fan this past week. Uh, no, that was a, probably a perfect scenario if you, if you want to draw it out for if you're the Kansas State coaches, right? So you go out there and you, you basically just pound the you know the the tar out of a high major team. And I know that it's not a good one at Cal. They lost to UC Davis the, the game prior, but you pound the, cr- the crap out of for you know over half the game, a high major team on the road on their courts in what was not a hostile environment, but still away from home and in a road venue. And then you come back and you face a little adversity, like Kurt said, and you're in challenging times and it's time to pucker up and you'll see what your team has made from a mental standpoint and then respond and you break that baby out to almost double digits again. So um, you get a nice win over a high major team on the road where you looked encouraging for probably 25, 30 minutes. And then you responded to a little bit of adversity, got the win and you have a lot of things to still improve upon. Um, I don't know that you can ask for a better scenario if you're the Kansas State coaching staff. What I will say is um, they're going to have a hard time drumming up maybe some competition on that non-conference portion of the schedule because the 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 deeper that we get into the schedule, the most the, the less desirable some of these teams look from a competitive standpoint. I think Rhode Island lost again, so they have not just lost to Quinnipiac; they lost to someone else. Pretty embarrassing. So that Cayman Islands, that's the Cayman Islands opener, I believe. I think that one looks to be yeah. a pretty simple uh, first game in overseas. Yeah, Rhode Island and then Wichita State lost to Alcorn State this weekend. <laughs> uh, K-State's got them on December Marco, 3rd. Marco's old team, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I still think there's some teams on the schedule. Like the Cayman Islands tournament, Once they get if they get past Rhode Island, they potentially play Tulane, which is probably – I think they're an NCAA tournament team. They return a lot, and they're, they're pretty highly thought of. Ken Palm has them as a top 60 team in the country. So, And I don't know what to make of LSU and Florida. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's some potential opportunities. I mean, Nebraska's two and zero. I mean, what's not really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I know this has nothing. How about Louisville? Jeez, cow! What is going on there? Yeah, I. I when was the last time Nebraska football was two and zero? I'd have to go through the. Uh, I'd have to get my encyclopedia uh, to I, go I, back I, to the archives of that. Um, I have to bust oh, out the H one. I love the nineties. Yeah, I, I did want to congratulate Coach Kevin Sutton on his first victory as the Pac-12 Network. Uh, Jerome Yang. Yeah. yeah, Jerome Yang also got a win. Uh, you know, just an embarrassing production. I will never watch the Pac-12 Network again unless K-State is on it. That is such a pathetic production. And if you're listening to this, remember to cancel whatever subservice you subscri- subscribe to to watch that game. Uh, first of all, D.Y., I used your login info. And did, did you keep getting the... Uh, alert like every 10 minutes that too many people were watching and yeah uh, yeah but it's i, I feel like we were all booting each other because <laughs> i just kept hitting continue watching and then i'd get it for like seven minutes and then like i probably booted you off or uh, somebody else i ended up just watching on drew screen it never happened to me then so uh yeah well it, it kept happening to me but it was fine thank you so much for the login um so i really appreciate that so we could watch the game and and the thing i'll say about the actual game what really impresses me and again, I know Cal's not a juggernaut by any means or an offensive team and down a couple guys. But what really impresses me is that for a new coaching staff and so many new guys, their defensive rotations are so sound. And the, the way they lock down defensively is very impressive for this early in the season. We've now seen it multiple times. And for them to be as locked in as they are and knowing they're only going to get better uh, that is very encouraging to me. And you see glimpses of everything like Keontae, like you see with Keontae, like they they know already they can go ISO with him when they need a basket and he can make a play. And then the soft ass officials can call a technical foul for, you know, making a, making a play and, and screaming. So big deal. Uh, but Keontae showing a lot of glimpses. He almost had a double, double 16 and nine. Naquan Tomlin is an athletic freak that we see, you know, he hits a three on Saturday. He did a three. On Friday. Yeah. He hit a three. You start to see like, okay, if he can be a 30, 32% three-point shooter, like some of the moves he makes, uh, he had a pull-up move as well that he made earlier in the game. 
uh, the, the talent is certainly there. And then Marquise Noel obviously was a critical piece in that game because when things got tight, he kind of put the team on his back and made two or three really big plays, both on the offensive and defensive end. I know he made a couple mistakes late with maybe rushing a shot on a possession, but, um, and got taken out of the game, but, but he made some big plays that a senior makes. So credit to him for doing so. Loved a lot of what I saw. Loved a lot of what I saw for sure. Uh, congrats. Congrats to those guys for getting that win. When, when is the next game? I don't even know actually. UMKC this Thursday. Okay. I am uh, focused on the ruse. So thought you're focused on West Virginia. Uh, well, I focus on multiple things. Uh, so I'll focus on UMKC Thursday. UMKC is really bad. Um, they covered against LSU. Yeah, they did. They, um, they lost to Lincoln university. Um, a couple weeks ago. I don't know. Uh, case that'll handle UMKC easily. And then the Cayman Islands tournament is after that on what I consider to be one of the best weeks of the year. Thanksgiving week, you've got all the basketball tournaments, the battle for Atlantis, the Maui Invitational, the Cayman Islands tournament um, that I'm sure Jerome Tang has no interest in really wanting to be in that tournament. But thanks to Coach Weber, they're playing there in the Cayman Islands. So um, one of the best weeks, feast week and, you know, football on all week. So hopefully uh, everybody's in a good mood because it's coming off a win over West Virginia and a uh, win over UMKC and we can lock in on some hoops that week. And then John will be a nervous wreck thinking about the KU game all week. Well, not as much if Kansas takes care of business against the old Longhorns this week, you know, let's just knock that out of the way too. So, you know, you're going to Arlington. We can all be booking our hotel rooms and our trips and all that, and then just gearing up and, and ready to go. We need to leave some people back for the Wichita State game if we make it to Arlington. <laughs> True. Uh, John, you, John, you gonna rest the starters against KU if that scenario plays out? Mm, mm, good question. Because um, I mean, it's not a rivalry. It's not a rivalry. Remember, that's what KU fans always remind us. So maybe we just rest the starters. We've got yeah, we've got more important things to worry about than playing regular season. Okay, I'm not even gonna go there. I'm not even gonna go there. Let's just all right, it's gonna do it. You're trying to draw me into that. I'm not doing it. I am focused on West Virginia. Okay, not so much. Kansas City now, Cole. By the way, not UMKC. Kansas City. Right. Um, not so much Sorry. Kansas City because I think they can. They'll, they'll be fine. They can handle that. I'm gonna laser focus, laser focus on West Virginia this week. Uh, shout out to 360 Vodka Holiday Distillery, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Go stock up. Appreciate their support of the podcast as always. Appreciate Jed Marshall behind the scenes, Tucker Franklin as well for the work that he does. For Cole Manbeck and Derek Young, I am John Kurtz. We'll see you later.